Welcome to Backsliding to Glory, a progressive Christian podcast and community. Find us on Facebook and Twitter. Welcome to Backsliding to Glory. We are your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Megan. And we are Backsliding to Glory. Uh, it's four episodes now, Megan. It's a four real podcast. Four episodes. We really did it. Look at that. Um, I, so we, first of all, I want to say thank you to everybody who has uh, been giving us some feedback on social and stuff. We'd love to have your emails. If you want to talk about a topic or you want to share your you know, point of view on um, an area in particular, we'd be glad to read that and comment and discuss it. Uh, if you don't want to share your voice, that's cool. Email us, backsliding to glory at gmail.com or jump into the discussion. We're on Facebook. We've got a group there. You can find us backsliding to glory. There's links in the show notes. And of course, backslide the number two glory on Twitter. That's where you can find us there as well. We've covered a couple of things already. We talked a little bit about our spiritual paths and histories. We talked last week about income inequality and poor shaming and and little dipped our toe into the prosperity gospel. I cannot wait to come back and talk about maybe the history of the prosperity gospel with a real theologian. Mm -hmm. But um, this is a big topic, I think, for people who, like me, are sort of new to the progressive theology world. The concept of God's gender, and in particular that we might have been misgendering God all this time, talking about he and him. I I love the very common thing that you see now on Twitter among progressives, and it's something that I actually added the other day, putting your pronouns up there. It seems yeah, silly uh-huh. to me at first for people who are not actually members of the LGBTQ plus community, and yet the more I thought about it, I was like, no, that's not the point. The point is to normalize letting people know how you want to be referred to because mm-hmm. that allows everyone that same opportunity, right? right. It, it, right. If, we, if we make that normal, if that's not a special thing. Yeah, so anyway, I put mine up. I go by he and him. I'm Joel Sharpton. But I do, I love the idea of, you know, God, deity of the universe, he slash him. I don't, I think that's like, <laughs> that's limiting, right? Like, it's that's limiting pretty in limited. some regards. It's pretty limiting. Megan, this is an opportunity, I think, in particular for for you to really lead me. You have been exposed to a more progressive theology for most of your life, like we talked about Mm -hmm. in your background. You know, you had that Quaker background in particular, the idea that even grandma at a young age was like, well, maybe hell's not the thing that you imagine it is. Mm Mm-hmm. So what what is your history with this? When were you first exposed to the idea of God as something other than I told you before we went on air? I've I was very much raised with Space Moses, right? It was a giant, long, white flowing beard, robe, sandals, the whole nine bits. Sky bit. Daddy. He's Zeus, basically. It's yeah, it's Zeus. Zeus. It's yeah. Zeus with a different name. That's what I totally. was raised with. Totally. Absolutely. So yeah. what was your background as far as God's gender is concerned? So I always like my entire memory of of hearing people talk about theology involves the question of is god a man so i have always sort of had that as part of my circle and i think it's just because i grew up in kind of a hippie town and knew and was exposed to lots of feminists who would talk about you know god is a woman and she's mad and uh (laughs) and stuff like that which what I did not get until later was the notion that that God is neither a man nor a woman, because God does not actually possess genitalia, so far as we can tell. 
nor does God have a gender identity, so far as we can tell. We don't have any indication that God is either... The only indication we have is from Scripture, which was largely, if not entirely, written by man, who would have come from a culture that would have defaulted to he, I think. Though even Scripture does use some feminine talk for God and even for Jesus. The lectionary, the Revised Common Lectionary, uh, which is, uh, for those of you who are not members of mainline Protestant tradition or the Catholic tradition, it's a, basically all the big churches get together and <laughs> mostly do what the Catholics did, which is a three-year cycle that you read a little bit of it each week at church and it gets you through most of the Bible. Uh, it leaves out a lot of the begats and that sort of stuff. But the Revised Common Lectionary, the, the Catholics have their lectionary, and then the RCL follows that fairly closely. So the lectionary last week, I think, if not this, no, I think it was last week, had us in the piece of scripture where Jesus talks about himself as being like a mother hen guarding Jerusalem under his wings. Or is it guarding the people under his wings? It's the one that starts, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem. Jesus, the mother hen, who's, you know, if you've ever been around chickens, they're, they're pretty brutal. Like, don't mess with chicks. Chickens, you know, they'll, they'll come at you. They'll peck you. But are also tender with their young. So it's, he's kind of making himself a mama bear, except chicken, because that would have been a more, a more relevant uh, animal descriptor for people then. I had to pull it up myself. Uh, so this is the uh, the NIV version. It's Matthew twenty three thirty seven. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a very clear, That's again, that's Jesus himself referring to himself in a, a feminine metaphor and a feminine mm-hmm analogy whatever yeah, yeah but they're all th- they're particularly they're they're very common for god the father there are very common references to the motherhood of god there's talk about bosoms mm-hmm. there's there's even womb references in some uh mm-hmm. places totally. uh, particularly among the prophets in the old testament so again the 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 concept of God as above gender or transcending gender in some way was there even among, as you pointed out, a very clearly patriarchal tribal society, which is, again, the lens that you have to view it through. Anytime that I ever brought this question up, and this is the interesting thing to me, it was a circular argument, right? The when when I asked, well, what about the nature of God? Because the verse that always came back to me was, let us create uh, man in our image our image, right? God, mm-hmm. the, the Trinity is talking to each other there, and it, they 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 talk about they them effectively. It's it would yeah. be the pronouns, not he or him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and that was my question. I'm like, why don't we talk about God in the plural? And the argument was made to me then. I wasn't even talking about the feminine. I was talking about the plural. Why don't we move to the plural? And my dad would always say. It was a circular thing. Well, we have to refer to God as God the Father or he and him because it is a picture for us of the relationship of the husband and wife in the household. The man is the, is the head of the household and the wife subsumes or submits to him. And if we refer to God as anything other than God the Father, then we lose that imagery. Okay, I just cringed so hard. Right? Bless your dad's heart. 
but you're basing you're basing the patriarchal <laughs> structure of your family then off your concept of God as the father, which I just asked you, doesn't yeah. the scripture say yes. isn't very clear? So again, like you you well we but we build our family that way because God's the father and he is the head of the <laughs> well okay, but ah! right? So that it, it was never, again, it was one of those things, even as a young person, it was never like sound to me, but I was never presented with an alternative path, really. Yeah. So I love the use of, I mean, my generally speaking, I just try to not use pronouns for God at all. I, I think God is a perfectly reasonable pronoun for God and God, God's self does God things. But I actually really like uh, using they as a pronoun for God, um, though I think of it as the singular they, the singular they, them, which is uh, often preferred for non-binary folks. They prefer they, them. And it, I think, works really well because it's both singular in the non-binary sort of definition, but it's also plural, which feels very Trinitarian to me. It's both one, it's three. It's uh, feels like a the if one must choose a pronoun, they, them feels like the best pronoun to me though that one weirds people out you know if you if you if you do she god they'll uh they'll just sort of roll your eyes at you but they them they're like well what what we're not, well, yeah, we're not polytheists my goodness and it's like well, hold on first of all it can be singular secondly we are trinitarians yeah which, you know is is a complicated thing that we do not wrestle with enough in modern protestant theology trinitarianism is tough to get your mind around, and therefore we just sort of avoid it. So the the real crux of all of this, Megan, comes down to a thing that I have begun to, like, really, really weigh as, like, how do we implement this on a broad scale in the past year or so? And, and it's this. I think what Christianity needs, like, worldwide, not just the American church, but worldwide, we actually need a culture of scholarship. We need a culture mm. of actual deep growing and learning about our faith and the history of it and the sort of institutional inclusion of that education, the the expectation that once you come on board with the Jesus thing, the second part of that is you got to wrap your mind around how we've as a people decided all of these questions over the years and then come to your own conclusions on it. Right. And it turns out that doing so will help you find a group of believers who generally lines up with you on those things too. But most people in the pews that consider themselves Christians, most people that if you ask them would say they orient their entire lives around the concept that Jesus is their Lord and savior also know basically nothing about the, the, actual theological ramifications oh, of what yeah. their church believes or what they themselves would tell you they believe. Completely. If you ask a group of, of Presbyterians, they are not necessarily able to tell you uh, what Presbyterian means. And uh, that's a problem. Methodists don't know what United Methodists means. You know, Lutherans, they know about Luther because they talk about Luther a lot, but I don't know that they know theologically what makes them Lutherans versus somebody else from a Calvinist reform tradition or whatever, um, which I do think is a problem. I I also think I have I'm of a mixed mind about this because I see uh, our siblings who are Jewish or Muslim; those are both religions of 
deep learning. Yes. Considered deeply important to know your scriptures, to study them, to question them, to wrangle with them in a way that I find really inspiring myself because I like doing that kind of stuff. But I also think some of my favorite, favorite theology comes out of the liberation theology movement and particularly Oscar Romero, who's the anniversary of his his assassination was yesterday, I think. He basically transcribed. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't the one doing the theology. He was explaining the theology that he saw among deeply marginalized, terribly undereducated, terribly under provided for people and how they interacted with the idea of God and Jesus and through, you know, scriptures that they couldn't read. It's it's just, you know, prosperity theology versus liberation theology, they are the two complete opposite understandings of this faith of ours. And liberation theology is so amazing and beautiful. So there, there are really powerful things that come out of people who cannot uh, study in depth our scriptures, though I, of course, believe everybody has the right to an education and should be able to. And were those people both marginalized and able to read and study what would come out of it then? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I go in circles there. By the way, there is a link in the show notes for uh, the totally uneducated folks like myself. You you mentioned Oscar Romero, and I said, uh, who now? Um, <gasps> I honest, not, I, honestly, I'd never heard the name, Megan. This is what oh, I'm talking about. Like, I'm new to it, this. Man. I am. And and a very, very uh, a broad overview. There's a Wikipedia link in there for you. But this is something that uh, we're going to talk about more. The, so this, this concept, Megan, of like a, uh, again, like a, a true... A, a flip side to the prosperity gospel coin mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> is something that I really have only begun to dip my toe into in the, uh-huh. in the last few years. And it's weird. It's like I came to this region from feeling and personal experience without any knowledge. And then uh-huh. I've begun to look for research and scholarship that shows the path to where my reason and experience took me. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, and 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 supporting those uh, conclusions or finding others who reasoned their way, but but mm-hmm. with more experience and with more theological knowledge than I am, uh, it's one of the reasons why I latched onto you. Honestly, like I, I I like your passion for this area, and I love the the depth of knowledge. I don't like people who just go out there and wag their opinion in Mm. other people's faces because Mm -hmm. the cornerstone, and I think I said this before, but the cornerstone of where I come from is that I don't understand this. I cannot possibly Uh understand Uh my God completely. I try my best to understand the purpose of my life here and, and my relationship to that deity. And I latch on to others who feel that same desire. Sure. Right? That's what it comes down to. Um and and you are very clearly one of those people who who <laughs> also doesn't understand your God perfectly, but wishes to understand them better. And yeah. more more importantly almost, and definitely more that we can act upon, and this is where I want to move the discussion now, is understand how the relationship that we have with our deity informs the actions that we should take towards our fellow man. Mm. So mm-hmm. That's my question for you, really. For someone who is approaching this like me for the first time, really con- really working through it, why does it matter, first of all, that we conceive or or we even allow for the concept of God as other than masculine? And what are the ramifications of that for, again, our interactions with our fellow, you know, human beings, our, our sibling, our human siblings? Okay, well, just to um, 
just to touch on what you just said uh, quickly, coming at it from without any background, well, that's, you know, that's largely where the liberation theology stuff is coming from. You know, tradition, the original liberation theologians uh, were Catholic priests in South America who worked with super marginalized communities who were not educated and who had been, had their cultures destroyed by the very church they were now worshiping in and yet had these beautiful understandings of God as a liberator. And, uh, and so just to bring that home, it is fully possible to come to a really beautiful conclusion of, about what the purpose of this whole thing is without having been raised in it or, or educated about it or whatever. So I guess just never feel bad about where you're at. Just keep pushing. So wait, what were we saying? Oh, so, okay. The bad thing about, about what, using yeah, what's gendered so, language. Yeah, what's so bad about just sticking yeah. with he, him? Why does it matter? If, we, if you agree, if our fundamental first point is that God's a fourth dimensional being and clearly okay. beyond gender, he doesn't have a wang, he doesn't have a hoo-ha, <laughs> uh, or any nor, other. Nor does he have an identity as, uh, as a, a, a gender. He has neither a, a he. God has neither a biological nor uh, a cultural uh, gender, cultural yes. nor spiritual nor essential nor any any sort of. So there was I heard a great interview with this guy named Keith Ward, whose books I really recommend if you're a sciencey person, um, who is also a a Jesusy person, or even if not, if you're just one of the two. He's an Anglican theologian who's, I believe, based at Oxford. Um, so he's like real fancy. Uh, and he uh, talks about the intersection between science and faith. And because he's at Oxford, a lot of his friends are like, you know, uh, Nobel Prize winning physicists and whatnot. And um, he did this great interview, and he's done lots of interviews, but I heard a particularly great one where he was talking about Okay, so what do we do if we find alien life and we attempt to explain Christianity to them? And we go to them and we say, yes, we have this idea of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And they say, well, we reproduce asexually or we reproduce with uh, three fathers and two mothers or we, you know, some totally different thing. Your metaphor falls apart. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost doesn't make any sense to them. What, what? terminology can you use if you're talking to somebody who does not understand Father, Son, Holy Spirit? And so he kind of came at it from that angle, which is kind of a, almost a silly angle, but but uh, does kind of force a question a little bit. Where does that leave us? And it the metaphor stops making sense. So the point, and I do have one, is that it is a metaphor, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but there are a couple problems with it as a metaphor. The upside is most of us are familiar with what Father and Son, that sort of interaction looks like and means. The downside is that I think, especially in contemporary Protestant faiths, we have thus, because we understand what Father and Son are so completely, we've marginalized that third part, the the Holy Spirit, which is a shame because that's a really good part. That's the living God, right? That's the one that's moving and doing stuff among us right now. So by sort of shoving it to the side is something we don't understand. 
we've lost some element of spirituality there. The other and more sort of fundamental downside is it goes back to that circular thing you were talking about with your dad. If we imagine God as a man, we suddenly have to... So, okay, so if God's a man, then men are more powerful, then the correct order of things is for men to be in charge and women to be, I don't know, the ones who do the dishes. It's It limits our understanding of God. It limits our understanding of ourselves. It limits our understanding of each other. It's just not great. And you can gain so much by removing God from that box. So, okay, here's the thing that I've been thinking about, like, historically. What is the importance of this moment in the evolution of the Christian church? If you look back historically, there have been moments, you know, Martin's Revolution uh, and Reformation, the the Wesleyan movement, which I think is important. Uh, obviously, I think it's important as I'm a Wesleyan, I guess. Mm-hmm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. a Methodist. But, I mean, like, I look at this moment and I think, what is it about this current battle over this question of sexuality and gender. And Mm. I don't, I think part of it is just that we politicize everything in this current era. And so we have politicized this to the, the right and left in the political climate have so divisively driven themselves apart. And, and I can point fingers as to who's more to blame for that, but there is this giant chasm. And I think that has infected every basically sector of society. So religion isn't, separate from that. But I also think that there is a reason sort of spiritually speaking for why this might be happening now. And I wonder if the acknowledgement of, and what I'm hoping for eventual full acceptance of our LGBTQ plus siblings into the Christian church won't give us the average member a better, more full understanding of the nature of God by Mm -hmm. seeing that fuller expression of our own human gender and sexuality, Mm -hmm. which, you know, is not, again, directly connected to who God is. And yet we do hold, again, central to our our understanding that we are image bearers of God, right? We bear Mm -hmm. the image Mm -hmm. of God in our own creation, both male and female. Mm -hmm. And since we believe in science, those that are uh, 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 non-gender specific or gender fluid, Mm -hmm. those that are born uh, both or neither, like Mm -hmm. that is a lot of uh, the human population. Much more than we ever knew. Yeah, much more than we've ever known Mm -hmm. or talked about. Exactly, Mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. Through most of human history, they were discarded as uh, Mm -hmm. uh, abhorrent or something in this modern era we're beginning to reckon with this question as a culture as a society and again i don't i do think like what if this is one of those times where god reveals himself to us or 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 god reveals themselves to us in a Mm -hmm. more fuller way just like with the acceptance of the gentile right like Mm -hmm. there was a moment Mm -hmm. when it was when christianity was limited to jews jews that had Mm -hmm. converted and then there was a moment when they went wait a minute ah foreskin is okay look at that like hey they literally said that yeah literally that was listeners who are like oh god he's on it again no 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 that's really in there no but like (laughs) but but for real but it's like and i'm just saying like we know that there was this moment in the mainstream and look not every church agrees with this right but for most of the christian church we've accepted the concept of women in 
the okay. ministry, which was a okay. thing that for lots of our history we didn't, and we looked at Scripture as an example of why that wasn't okay. We now understand in a more full way that was our own human limitations that we were putting on God, not the other way around. I think this is another one of those moments, maybe, in culture. Mm-hmm. As a species, as a, as a people, God is reckoning with us directly, I hope anyway. That's that's mm-hmm. what I see mm-hmm. happening here, and that's why I'm sort of hopeful about it all. It is it's crazy that we're living through it. I feel so terrible for our siblings that are actually enduring this, the like oh. the daily uh, yeah. push-away dismissal mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. their church, and mm-hmm. even more so when I think about the historical thousands, millions of, of souls that lived their whole life, Megan, thinking that there was no place for them in God's house. Mm-hmm. That they were wrong. That yeah, God made a mistake. Fundamentally wrong. That God, yes. Fundamentally disadvantaged from the start. What a, what a, oh, I. Or oh. just that the, the core of their being was some sort of test from a, from a, I, I hate this like cruel testing God thing. It's just not, it's just not my understanding of God at all. So telling people that, well, if you're, you're having these feelings, it's because God is testing you. And ugh, I just, I, I don't like it at all. As opposed to the idea that God, I sort of like the monist idea um, that God, each and every one of us is a unique expression of God. So God, God is me. God is you. God, God tries us all on for size at some point. So every person is a unique expression of God, of God's design for us, of God's plan for us, and so on. The the Protestant evangelical understanding of personal salvation almost necessitates that understanding of God, doesn't it, Megan? Mm-hmm. I, like, we don't mm-hmm. talk about mm-hmm. it like that, mm-hmm. but when, mm-hmm. the way we talk about Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, God dwelling within our hearts, you know, mm-hmm. those that sort of language, the killing off of the old man and the birth of the new, all these sorts mm-hmm. of metaphors and language that we use to describe it, they inherently suggest a God that that is... The Buddhist idea is the universe is God playing hide and seek with himself, right? Mm. So mm-hmm. th- this is a similar uh, – Carl Sagan said the cosmos is a way for or, – or we are a way for the universe to know itself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Same. It's all the same concept, really, right? Of course. Right? Totally. And, and when you think about the incarnation of Christ, particularly th- this is uh, something that I think Christians should be able to understand and cognize even more so than our Jewish siblings or Muslim siblings, because we are so focused on the incarnation. The idea that God mm-hmm. dwelt among mm-hmm. us in a physical body actually was tempted, actually underwent hunger and thirst and pain and longing and loneliness and, and suffering and betrayal, physical torment, et cetera, et cetera. When Again, like, why do you think God would only do that once <laughs> exactly like that? Why, mm, would, why, mm-hmm. why would an omnipresent, omniscient, you know, perfect being not know exactly what Megan was feeling in those moments mm-hmm. of sorrow and mm-hmm. trial? And how else would they without being there, like in, in you, yeah. with you? Yes, yeah, of course. Yeah, I yeah. think that's I, – again, I think this is not – you talked the other day about how it's a conservative idea to, you know, like want to save the Louisiana wetlands. I think it's a conservative theological idea to think that that God dwells with us on a one-to-one basis like this. I think the more like liberal, crazy out there idea, the more radical idea would be to think that God is removed and remote and not involved on a one-to-one basis. Yeah, I sometimes take take umbrage with the sort of idea that the fundamentalists 
It's like, hey, I feel pretty fundamental. <laughs> I feel like that my understanding of God in Scripture is uh, one that comes from the sort of uh, foundational beliefs of the Christian Church and the Christian people. Um, sorry, I mean, I, I don't use that term, but I don't. It's like you guys can't take everything good. <laughs> but I think of myself as theologically conservative in the sense that I, you know, I. I think it is very true to scripture to care for the those who are marginalized. I, I don't think it's very true to scripture to to further marginalize. It's pretty so, conservative to th- to believe in an actual god, right? Yeah. Like, yeah I mean again, yeah, yeah. Megan, how cra- how radical can we be when you and I both believe in Jesus? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Though of course the word radical comes from the Latin word radis, which means root. Yeah, so see, like radish. So, okay, so we're very rooted. So there we're you go. super radical, but that doesn't mean what people think it means all the time. And I think largely, like the overarching goal of this show for me is that I uh, I played my wife the the clip of uh, Mayor Pete talking about the religious left the other day. He was mm-hmm. on the View or something, and she got all excited. Uh, but that I want I want that I want us to stand up. I want us to be noticed and heard i want those that feel like we do to know that there are others like them and to to help us find more understanding and to find a bigger broader community so that we can do more together you know we talked last week megan about just doing the thing about all doing the thing doing the thing easier to do the thing and it's easier to get up tomorrow and do the thing again when you know that there are others behind you and around you and there are a lot of you know it's not hard to find really high level progressive theology because that's what's coming out of most of the bigger seminaries these days. It is a little harder to find like boring old minivan driving lay people who who are who are quite there with you, but they're out here. We're out here. We're all over. Um a lot of times we're either stifled by others in our specific religious communities or in the broader community and so you know, we're out here. Let us help you find each other and us and so on. I speaking of and and not to give them uh, just a, a complete plug here, but one of those communities I know that you found for yourself, Megan. Uh, you, mm-hmm. I saw you mention it on uh, Twitter the other day. You were just very thankful for it. Um, talk about the Slate Speak. Slate Speak. Yeah. So if you use Twitter, or even if you don't use Twitter, it's perfectly reasonable to get on Twitter just to participate. Um, Thursday nights at let's say nine Eastern, I think eight Central. It's basically, it's a hashtag conversation. Um, So you just, at the end of every sentence, you put the hashtag Slate Speak, and then you can use your Twitter app to just find everybody who's mentioning that phrase. There's a leader, a moderator, who leads everybody through a bunch of questions on some theological topic. Um, It is generally uh, uh, Christian, but there are definitely... There are some atheists who pop in. There are some seekers. When it's been more open topics, we've definitely had Jewish people come in. It's very progressive, very welcoming, very open. It's just super recommended. Very warm. Very, yeah, it's it's good. It's a good place. I didn't get to participate last Thursday night, but I f- like followed the conversation after the fact. I, I loaded up the hashtag search, and I basically mm-hmm. went backwards through the conversation in a lot mm-hmm. of different ways. There's some really, really interesting threads there. And again, from a whole 
range of voices that mm-hmm. I had not heard from previously and that I wasn't following previously. I found a bunch of new people to follow, in fact. So there's a link. Uh, there's an article in the um, show notes you can find for the Slate Project that uh, details that, gives you some more info. And then, so Thursday nights, uh, check in with that and uh, and follow it if you're, well, even like Megan said, even if you're not a Twitter user, that might be a, a cool place for you to hang out. I'm going to try to do that uh, in the future as well. I really enjoyed what I read the other day. And again, it's just, it's about being backed up, right? It's about having that community. Mm-hmm. Totally. I mean, so I have a thing, and we can get into it really in depth on another show sometime. But to me, and I sort of rolled through life as a as a dabbling in communities here and there, solo Christian, or so I thought for a long time. And then I had a sort of revelation, such as it is, uh, that I don't know that I believe that solo Christian is a thing that one can be, which... I totally understand if people are coming from faith traditions that hurt them and they still believe in Jesus but are not willing to engage in a faith community because because they were hurt by that. But if that's not you and you just don't like the direction that, you know, any given denomination has gone, find a new one because I really think I don't know. You can do whatever you want. I don't actually care, but but I think that Jesus called us to live in community and that's messy and it's hard and it, you know, sucks sometimes and people don't behave the way you want them to behave and they don't just they don't do Jesus right. <laughs> and you still have to wrangle with them and I think that's uh that's our calling. It's I I think we we in the US especially have become the irony is that that we in North America at any rate have become this very individualized and and this is through the sort of the sort of well largely through the the Baptist Pentecostal and evangelical movements this idea of the individualized gospel me and Jesus it's just me and Jesus together and i think that the irony is that all the people who say things like well i love Jesus and i love god but i'm done with the church are actually being very sort of evangelical. It's like you and Jesus. So it's just you and Jesus off in the woods. I'm not sure that I believe that that's really a thing. I think Christianity means being called to community. That does not mean that you have to go to an abusive church. It does not mean that you can't find Christian community outside of church walls. Um, But it does mean that I think we have to get together as Christians and do tough things somehow. Well, and it's all but impossible, but that's the, like, yeah, it is. I show unto you a mystery, Megan, (laughs) but I mean, like it's, that is the mystery. I think that's one of the mysteries anyway, uh, is, is the, the fact that sometimes we can all get together and, and do the thing. Sometimes we can all row our boats together. Sometimes in spite of our human efforts against the right, Uh we end up doing the right thing anyway you know mm-hmm. like we stumble mm-hmm. backwards into positivity we I think, backslide very directly into glory look at that look <laughs> at that well i think we ha- i think i think the podcast rules say that we have to end the show that's now. it i that's think it. that's the we way that that's it's I like think we um, actually have to end the show completely i think that's yeah, I, think we, I think we that's, i think we've no more. reached our pinnacle <laughs> she worked the title in guys that's the end of it <laughs> Uh, you see, that's not the end of it. We'll be back, but uh, that's the end of it for this week. We will, we will wrap up. We appreciate everybody that's listening so much. Really, really kind words on Facebook and Twitter from uh, from lots of folks, and, and that's always nice to hear. 
give us a review if you're up for it in Apple Podcast. It's really not that big a deal, honestly. Podcasters tell you it helps. It doesn't help that much other than let us know that you're there. So if you happen to listen in Apple Podcasts, hit it up. Spotify. I know a lot of people are checking us out on Spotify. You can find us on our website. If you don't do the podcast thing generally, you can play us directly at backslidingtoglory.com. Megan, where can they find you on Twitter? Megan Robar, M-E-G-A-N-R-O-M-E-R. And you can find me at The Rogue's Life on Twitter. Until next week, we'll be back with more. Uh, We've been your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Megan. And we are Backsliding to Glory. All right. If you know someone who would enjoy Backsliding to Glory, please share the show with them today. And send us your comments and feedback, backslidingtoglory at gmail.com. Or find us on Twitter, backslide to glory. <laughs>